Hello, my name is Rob Edwards, and this, it's my podcast. Welcome one and all to episode 23 of Storycast Rob, a very big episode, because today will be the very last chapter of Written Blood and Silver that I'm reading to you. Uh, The story continues beyond the podcast, and we hope in the next few months uh, we'll have some news about when the book itself will be out. But until then, uh, you'll have to make do uh, with this final chapter, called The Council of War, uh, chapter 12, as it will be in the new uh, numbering system, and it leads right up to just before a confrontation with the demon Volnark. But for that, you'll need to buy the book. Uh, the book will come. Uh, it is an endless uh, Sisyphean task. I've, I've gotten a bit distracted lately. I do apologise for that. Uh, I've got two novels on the go at the moment, one which I haven't been reading to the podcast, uh, which I'm really in the flow with at the moment. The editing on that's going really well. And I don't want to disrupt the flow of that uh, to work on writ. So I, it, it's fallen back a bit again. I, I, I apologise. I was... I had such a brilliant plan <laughs> to get the ep- to get the episodes running up to the release of the novel. It just hasn't happened. I am rubbish at timing things, but there we go. Uh, yes. So what that means is that uh, next episode of the podcast, next episode of Storycast, Rob, is going to be a little bit different. I talked about this last time briefly, uh, but what I'm trying to do in the next couple of months, because I do want to keep Storycast, Rob, going uh, as a monthly thing... Uh, is to change things around a bit, to make a, make a few changes of what the podcast is, just just for a bit. Uh, and I'm going to talk a little bit about um, the audio medium, talk a little bit about Big Finish and some of the Doctor Who stuff of theirs that I really enjoy. Talk about audio books that I've really uh, had fun with as well. But I want Storycast Rob to remain a storycast, to make sure that every episode you have new stories to come back to. Uh, and given that my, most of my stories, right, most of my... Uh, Uh, writing and editing brain at the moment are on editing my works in progress. Uh, I haven't really got a huge stockpile of stories to read to you. Uh, So what I'm going to do instead is read some stories uh, written by some author friends of mine. I'm going to add those into the mix. Uh, I've already sounded out a couple of people. Uh, I won't tell you who just yet, but they are um, big indie authors, so I'm really hoping that you enjoy their stories. Uh, If you are yourself uh, an indie author out there and would like me to read uh, one of your stories on Storycast, Rob, in the coming months, uh, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, obviously, the story needs to be of an appropriate length. I'm not reading a 200,000-word epic on my podcast in one episode, but a bit of flash fiction or something slightly longer than that, maybe, would be perfect. So tweet me, at StoryCastRob, or drop me an email, uh, StoryCastRob at gmail.com, uh, and maybe we can talk, maybe we can find uh, a story... Uh, of yours that I can read out on the podcast as well. So, exciting if slightly different times coming up. By the way, this is normally the point where I start telling Inklings news, and I don't have any again this month. We are, I'll be honest, on something of a hiatus at the moment. Everybody has big projects on the go, and we're just a bit distracted. Uh, One of the Inklings is working on a screenplay, another is busy querying his novel with agents, Uh, And the third one has recently had a baby, so is somewhat distracted by short people at the moment. Uh, We are still moving forward with Alternate Earths Volume 2, 
but it really has slowed to a glacial pace at this point. Uh, it is still coming. We will still get it out there, uh, but you may have to wait a little bit longer for that. So that's all the news. Uh, time then for the last time to say previously on written blood and silver. Dun 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 dun. Dun. I never did get any music for that. Hmm. Anyway. Matt Chambers, a computer programmer in 1999 London, has been having all sorts of problems with the demons on the underground. He's finally worked out where the demon's lair may be, and is travelling to speak to Arthur Wessex, uh, a cursed wizard, and Broden, a man from Atlantis 3,000 years old, to find out what the plan of attack will be. And now, the continuation. Chapter 12. Council of War Wessex's Soho apartment was dangerously close to the heart of the demon, and as Matt travelled west along the demon's back, he paced nervously, standing despite the free seats, hyper alert for any sign of trouble. Now he knew the truth, he couldn't afford any encounters, not before he had a chance to tell Broden and Wessex. He got off at Tottenham Court Road, took the long escalator up to the ground level, and half walked, half jogged through the evening hustle on Oxford Street before taking a left into Soho. Matt needed Wessex to be home. Chances were he and Broden were off hunting, but Matt really needed one or both of them to be home. He rang the doorbell and waited. The intercom buzzed. A light by which to read the name? Wessex's voice asked through the intercom, distorted it so badly that Matt only worked out what he was saying because he'd heard that bit of the prophecy before. It's me. I need to come up. I have news. The seeker is found, called Wessex, sounding pleased, and buzzed him up. Matt hurried up two flights of stairs and found Wessex opening his door at the top. Is Broden here? I, I, I need to talk to both of you, really. Wessex looked a little miffed as Matt barreled past him, but he followed along into the workshop. Matt couldn't be still. He managed to stop himself pacing but only by dint of picking things up from Wessex's busy worktops, studying them without looking at them, and then putting them down again. He saw Wessex flinch at the hasty treatment of more than one item, but the old wizard kept quiet. Of course, that might just be because nothing in the prophecy that fits with Please stop touching my stuff. I've worked it out, Wessex. I know. I know where to find Volnach. He's here. He's already here. Wessex looked ashen. He held up one hand to stop Matt before he could continue, shook his head. Strength of iron, he said. The future waits. You're right. We need Broden here. Page him. I'll, I'll stop touching stuff and uh, go make us some coffee. Wessex nodded, and they both went to their duties. Nerves already jangling, Matt made decaf for himself. The two waited in awkward silence, sipping their coffees, Matt trying to drink his slowly, but without much success. He put his empty cup down and tried to think of something to say. It was hard to chit-chat with a man who could only repeat parts of his prophecy. Matt reflected, not for the first time, how strange it was that he could have a closer, more casual relationship with a man from three thousand years ago than he could with someone who was from his own time. 
It wasn't just the Cassandra curse, though. There was a focus, an intensity about Wessex. He was, after all, a man who set out to save the world, and did so knowing that he would pay the ultimate price, and still not know if he was successful. Matt wished he'd known the Arthur Wessex that Pete described. That Wessex sounded a good deal more fun. Matt couldn't imagine Wessex telling a dirty joke. Couldn't imagine Wessex knowing any dirty jokes, in fact. But that was not how things were. No, all Matt could do was help make sure Wessex was successful, make sure that the price was worth paying. Wessex? I've never heard all of the prophecy. Can you... While we wait, would you let me hear it? Wessex looked at him for a long moment before giving an emphatic shake of his head. Sorry, said Matt, although he wasn't quite sure what he was apologising for. He stood and began to pace again. How long would he be? Do you know where he was tonight? Darkness stalks the land. Matt laughed. Yeah, that's our Broden. It's good to stalk, according to Bob Hoskins. Wessex gave a tight smile, then looked up at the sound of a key in the lock. Broden let himself in. What's this about? We're lucky I was nearby. Matt called, We're in the workshop. Get in here. As soon as the old warrior appeared in the doorway, Matt began to explain. It wasn't a very clear explanation, really. Words tumbled over each other. He found himself talking about Kate almost as much as what she'd pointed out to him. But in the end, he got out his old tube map and pointed out how much of the demon symbol was already there. I didn't bring a new tube map in here, didn't want to bring the demon, but you see, the Jubilee extension connects here to here. Just like the line of the demon symbol, it's complete, it's done. Volnark is here. Matt looked up for their reactions. Broden didn't meet Matt's eye, but he was too busy studying the map, finger-tracing along some of the lines, careful never to complete the symbol, muttering to himself. Wessex sat back in his chair, eyes closed. He looked deeply sad. Um, said Matt, I'm not sure what I was expecting, but it was more of a reaction than that. He, he's here, you get that right. His name has been writ and all that. Does this mean we can't beat him? I kind of just assumed that means Broden gets to do his thing. Hack and slay his way to saving the world? I figured the demon lives at Bond Street. Under it, I'd guess, or in the tunnels nearby. Look, it's in the middle of town. It's on both the blood and silver lines. It makes sense. The lack of reaction sapped the last of his energy. He sat down too. Have I been stupid? Had you seen this and discounted it already? You've searched Bond Street top to bottom, right? The moments stretched out long and crushed Matt with each tick of Wessex's over-loud grandfather clock. Broden finally spoke. Well done, lad. Very well done. No, we had missed this. So simple. <laughs> As for Bond Street Station, you're right, we've searched it top to bottom. That and every other station in town, but that only means we must have missed something. Because you're right. That's where Volnark must be. We cannot simply beard the lion in its den, however. It will draw support from all directions if it senses a threat. We must limit it somehow. 
Wessex, that line about cutting off the head. We always thought it was how we had to kill Volnark. But what if we're wrong? Wessex opened his eyes. Strike off the demon's head and the bleeding will stop. Yes, that's the one. If what the lad says is right, and I think we both feel the rightness of it, perhaps the prophecy is recommending a way to limit the demon's resources. If we cut off the demon's head, stop the flow of trains, the bleeding, here. He stabbed a finger towards Stratford Station. That locks off some of the demon's reinforcements. If we're lucky, we can repeat it at White City. And then again on the Jubilee lines too, though I expect the demon will try to stop us before we manage that. Matt looked to the map. Why that far out? It's not going to stop many demons there. Why not just try to disrupt Oxford Circus and Marble Arch? When we interfere, the demon will send his forces to stop us. If we are too close, they will be on us before we can leave. This way, perhaps. By the time Volnark's forces reach Stratford, we will be well inside the perimeter. That and the fact that the people who work the tube lines, unsuspecting, will work harder and faster to clear a block in the middle of town than on the outskirts. Okay, I guess that makes sense. Though, I still don't see it makes much difference. But you're the expert. When you say block, we're not going to put people in danger, are we? No, lad. I know, Rachel. Used it before. It will make the demons unable to pass that way. Doesn't last long, even less if they actively try to break it, but should hold long enough to do what needs to be done. Wessex looked troubled, but he nodded in agreement. Well then, Seeker, let's go cause this demon some trouble. Just like that? Just like that. Wessex held up a hand to stop them. The guide must lead, the sword must guard. But only the seeker may find. Matt nodded. I guess we're all going. Wessex gave a sad little smile and nodded. He gestured for them all to wait, and he moved around the workshop, collecting things into a shoulder bag. He fussed and dithered, choosing one thing before putting it down again, then another, until the bag was stretched to the limit. Come on, old man, the world is waiting to be saved, muttered Broden. At last, Wessex seemed content and sealed the bag. Broden headed up for the door immediately, but Wessex stopped him again. Wessex went over to the desk and pulled out a thick brown envelope, which he handed to Matt. The envelope was full of papers. The outline of a key stood out. What's this, Wessex? he asked. Wessex bowed his head sadly and gestured his hand roaming to take in the flat and all of its contents. Finally, he gestured again to the envelope and to Matt. Matt's stomach tightened. If this was to be their face-off against Volnark, Wessex's own prophecy said that neither he nor Broden would survive, and Wessex was leaving the workshop and everything in it to Matt. I can't, he whispered. Wessex shook his head. The stolen power shall end all things. Time we were going, said Broden. Wessex ignored him, placed a hand on Matt's shoulder. The seeker's time approaches, he said, and smiled again. Then Wessex followed Broden out of the door. 
Matt looked around the workshop one last time before following out the door. He pulled it shut behind him. It clicked lock. The seeker's time approaches, he repeated. I'm not sure I've heard that one before. But the others were already waiting for him at street level, and Matt dismissed the thought before bundling down the stairs after them. They retraced Matt's earlier route and boarded an eastbound Central Line train. Before they sat, Wessex dipped into his bag and pulled out a test tube. He popped out the stopper and sprinkled the tube's contents around them. Matt looked to Broden for an explanation. Should make it harder for any of Volnark's minions to spot us. Won't help if they come deliberately looking. But now is not the time for accidents. Sounds useful. Why didn't I know about it before? The ingredients are rare and expensive. The ritual to create it, long and dangerous. Wessex has only been able to refine enough for a very few doses. We must use it sparingly, and only in moments of great need. Right. Matt watched Wessex pour out a generous measure of the powder. No point in hoarding it now. Broden fell to listing what he would need for the ritual, checking that Wessex had it stopped. It was clear the two of them had prepared for this moment, and Wessex had missed nothing out. If anything, he seemed a little annoyed with each ingredient Broden listed. They were both showing signs of nerves, and it didn't help Matt's confidence levels at all. He was quiet, and let them get on with it. It had gone 10.30 when they reached Stratford, and Broden wasted no time. As soon as they stepped into the cold October evening, he cleared an area of platform by drawing his sword and letting people see it. Security? Police? Matt asked. Shouldn't arrive before we finish. This will be quick. Oh. But, just in case, be ready to keep them talking. Ah. The warrior sketched a circle on the platform with the tip of his sword, chanting as he did. Then he sat cross-legged in the concrete platform, and Wessex began handing him a series of chemicals and materials from his bag. This was a kind of magic that Matt just couldn't understand, probably never would. Two kinds, really. Broden's ancient magic given a twist of power by Wessex's more scientific approach. More than once, Broden looked at a substitute dubiously, but Wessex nodded encouragement, and the ritual continued. Hey now, what's all this? Matt turned to see a man in station uniform looking at them. Had reports of a man waving a sword about. Thought it couldn't be right, but... Ah, uh, yes, my friend is taking part in a um, performance art sort of thing, Matt tried. Oh, really? Well, there's nothing on my chart. No application filled in, I bet. Well, you can't go around waving swords in the 20th century, mate. Tell your friend to pack it up. We're going to have a conversation. A pointed conversation. Matt winced. Don't make puns about his sword, it only gets him riled up. Look, we'll be done in like five minutes. Can you not let it slide for that long? He's not harming anyone. Yet. I see that, son. That's why I'm trying to be nice about this. But I need this to stop. He reached for his radio to summon help, or maybe the transport police. Sorry about this, Matt said. He blinked and took firm hold of the flows around the official. I thought I should just say I saw someone smoking and uh, not minding the gap over there. He threw the man's flows to the other end of the platform. 
like a dog following the flight of a thrown ball. The station supervisor twisted to look. Right you are, sir. Thank you for reporting that. I will look into it immediately, he said, and turned and walked away. Matt shook his head. I hate doing that. Jane's sparkling little laugh chimed somewhere off in the distance. Wessex was looking at him, but Broden had missed it all, his attention wrapped on the ritual. And it seemed to be working. Small points of light swirled around the circle, and to Matt's enhanced vision, the scope was even bigger. The natural flows of magic were disturbed for hundreds of yards in every direction, twisting, sliding. It was astonishing to watch. This was not a delicate piece of magic, but for all its massive size, it was subtle. Hefting this amount of magic around, even the uninitiated would notice. But somehow, and Matt thought he could see how, it was tuned. This massive flow would affect Volnark's minions, wouldn't let them pass by any means. But the mundane, average Friday night reveller would never know. Wow. Thanks, lad. Broden levered himself upright. He looked tired and he pulled a little magic to revive himself somewhat. But we'd better not hang about. Near or far, Volnok's people will see that. They won't be long in coming. Wessex began restocking his bag with the leftover materials. Empty containers he kicked onto the track. Back into town? Do the same thing at White City, Matt asked. Broden nodded. We take the demon's train. Use his own power against him. That appeals. Wessex dropped one of his test tubes and the glass shattered. Broden Wessex turned to look, and he shrugged, embarrassed. Don't do that. I thought for sure... Demon! Matt shouted the warning too late. From nowhere, a man in red had appeared, jaws already open too wide. It was directly behind Wessex. Even as he turned in reaction to Matt's warning, the creature sank its teeth into Wessex's shoulder. Blood erupted from the wound, and Wessex gave a soundless cry, his curse stopping him even now from finding words. No! Matt, unthinking, hurled unformed, unsophisticated magical energy at the beast. The flow took the creature in the forehead and sliced it clean through. The demon died instantly, and Wessex fell bonelessly to the floor. Matt ran to Wessex's side, aware of sounds behind him. He spared a look to see Broden beset as well. The old warrior elbowed one Aberdak in the stomach, trying to free his sword arm from its grasp. Another was already at Broden's feet, dead or dying, but Matt could see more of the creatures appearing from nowhere all along the platform. Broden would have to fend for himself for now. Matt bent to look at Wessex. The wound was bad, but he was still alive for the moment unconscious but breathing and losing a lot of blood stop the bleeding stop the bleeding press on the wound he didn't know if there was a right way or a wrong way and the wound was just too big no matt's limited knowledge of first aid was not going to save wessex's life but magic might maybe he'd seen broden tend occasional nicks and grazes had seen how to give energy to someone who was tired and the flows had been similar the basic principles of healing with magic seemed to be aiding the body's natural defences. Broden had warned that some wound simply could not be healed. He would know. Was this safe to try? 
Matt glanced up again. Broden was doing well, his sword dancing. Keeping the demons at bay, two more were down, and several seemed to have taken wounds, but he couldn't spare any attention for Matt or Wessex at the moment. Matt thought he heard, Can you move down, please? from along the platform, but Broden would have to worry about that, too. Matt weighed Wessex's chances. He didn't honestly know if the wound was life-threatening, but it looked bad, and Wessex seemed so frail right now. There was a chance that Matt could make things worse. But he had no choice. Placing his hands over the bite, he could feel Wessex's hot blood under his fingers. Matt took a deep breath and called up his magic. No, not just his. He pulled from everyone nearby, too. Just as he'd done the last time he'd been on Stratford Station, he pulled a dart of magic from everyone, added them to his own power. People all along the platform blissfully unaware of the fight, courtesy of the demon's magic. Everyone from the platform opposite. Matt even dared to tap a trickle of Broden's power, but it still didn't feel like enough. He poured all of that into Wessex, felt Wessex's body trying to process it, reaching for more. The blood flow ebbed, but his breath grew shallow too. Not enough power. Desperately, Matt reached towards the demon's power. Could he use it to heal? Matt didn't know, but he was out of options and Wessex's time was running out. Matt called to the demon's power, took darts of energy from each of them, added it into the mix, fed the power to Wessex. Matt tried not to think about what he felt as he tapped the Abadak's power. It wasn't like when he took from a human. Each person contained their own well of magic, some small, some large. But the men in red, they had no individual power of their own. Instead, they were conduits to some huge ocean of power. A dark place, vast and unfriendly. And something in those waters moved and looked at Matt. He gasped and pulled back, let go of every shred of power, fought the instinct to run and hide. A chill gripped his spine, which had nothing to do with the late autumn air. Wessex was still, quiet. The blood flow from the bite had stopped, but Matt couldn't hear him breathing. Come on, Wessex. The stolen power. Come on. You keep telling me. The stolen power will end all things, Wessex gasped. End? I thought it was change, Matt said, relief flooding through him. The full prophecy uses both versions, said Broden behind him. Not sure what you did to the Abadak lad, but it seems to be a useful trick. You'll have to show it to me one day. Come on, old man, on your feet. Can't leave you here. Broden pulled Wessex upright. Wessex grimaced, but stood under his own power, if a little unsteadily. Impressive, lad, on both fronts. Thanks, said Matt, distracted. He should have been celebrating a successful healing of Wessex, but he was too unnerved. The surviving men in red were looking at him, standing stock still, eyes locked on him, tracking his every move but making no move towards him. One of the demons, wounded in the battle, slumped to the ground, bleeding out. But even as it fell, even as it died, its gaze never left Matt. What's happening? Matt breathed. Damned if I know. 
but I'm not knocking it. There's a train coming. Let's get out of here. The demons watched Matt board the train, then watched him leave. And there we are, the final chapter for the podcast anyway, of Writ in Blood and Silver. If you want to find out what happens next, how the confrontation with the demon Volnark goes, you'll have to buy the book when I eventually release it. Um, who knows, I might read some more chapters of, of Writ uh, once the book comes out, maybe to drum up a little more interest in it again. I think that might be a good idea, actually. Uh, so perhaps maybe not the last one, but certainly the last one for a while. Um, listen, if you've made it this far through, that was my messenger plinging in the background, you probably heard it. Um, if you've made it this far through, thank you very much for taking the time to listen to my podcast. I really do appreciate it. If you've heard the entire of Written Blood and Silver, then really brilliant. You're fantastic. Um, I would love to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about uh, Written Blood and Silver or about the podcast in general, uh, then please do uh, tweet me at StoryCastRob. Drop me an email, uh, StoryCastRob at gmail.com. Uh, you can uh, send me a Facebook message on the Storycast Rob Facebook page. Uh, then uh, smoke signals, carrier pigeons, however you have to communicate with me. I'd love to hear from you uh, about uh, anything you feel about the Storycast Rob and uh, Written Blood and Silver generally. Uh, after the theme music, which you'll hear in just a moment, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read out uh, the remaining chapter titles uh, for Written Blood and Silver, just to let you, give you an idea of uh, of what there is still to come. There are 11 more chapters uh, beyond what I've read on the podcast, so we are past the midway mark, uh, but there's still plenty to come, plenty more action for Broden, Wessex and Matt. Yeah, well, for some of them anyway. <laughs> anyway, thank you very, very much for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and I will catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Cheers. So yes, a super secret bonus Easter egg thing that I've told you about, so, you know, not that secret. Uh, I just want to read to you the chapter headings uh, for the rest of Written Blood and Silver. Uh, quite a lot of these are written, by the way. Uh, it may seem that we've only got this far... Uh, in the writing, but actually I've got quite a bit further. Uh, so, um, uh, progress is being made. Progress has been made while I've been reading the podcast. Uh, so, uh, chapter 13, The Seeker Finds. Chapter 14, The Claws of the Demon. Chapter 15, A Conversation with Arthur. Chapter 16, The Tower is Broken. Chapter 17, A Conversation with Broden. Chapter 18, Alone. Chapter 19, At Last We Will Reveal Ourselves to the Jedi. Chapter 20, A Wizard's Workshop. Chapter 21, The Battle of Waterloo. Chapter 22, Kate. And the final chapter, Chapter 23, Well, you know what, I think I might leave that one just secret still a little bit longer. Anyway, just thought you might be interested. Cheers, I'm waving, it's a podcast, I don't know why I'm waving. Bye!